This is Endourology Soundbites, a new podcast series from the publisher of the Journal of Endourology and Video Urology in cooperation with the Endourological Society. This series is brought to you by Richard Wolf, a global leader in endoscopy since 1906. Richard Wolf delivers solutions that are improving patient outcomes and shaping the future of minimally invasive surgery. For more information, please visit richardwolfusa.com. This is Brian Matlaga, Associate Director of Education for the Endourology Society, and I'd like to welcome you to Endourology Soundbites podcast series. In this episode, Dr. James Lingaman from Indiana University will share his insights into how he obtains access for percutaneous nephrolithotomy. In this recording, I'm going to review my approach towards a percutaneous access for stone removal. The first area to talk about is what to be done before percutaneous access for stone removal. It's important to realize that preoperative urine cultures are often uh, misleading or inaccurate um, or falsely negative before percutaneous stone removal. For this reason, I think it's important that uh, all patients who are going to have a percutaneous procedure should be on antibiotics for a week before. We know that there is about a 25% uh, discordance rate between stone cultures and uh, preoperative urine cultures, uh, so you don't want to take a chance in this regard uh, since we're doing an invasive procedure. I think it's also important for urologists to do their own access for several reasons. This makes the procedure not dependent on another individual. Uh, it also uh, promotes uh, a single-stage approach. Many places around the country, the patient goes to the radiology suite first to have a tube placed and then goes to the operating room. And from the patient standpoint, that's two procedures. In our experience at Methodist Hospital, about 20% of our cases require multiple access, uh, and that's a problem if you're relying on a radiologist to do your access. Uh, uh, and, of course, nowadays we do get reimbursed uh, for uh, doing our own access. The general principles that I think of when doing a percutaneous procedure are, first, that it is a single-stage procedure done under anesthesia in the operating room. We always place a ureteral catheter first. Uh, we use C-arm fluoroscopy, which is, of course, uh, widely available these days. It's important to focus on a precise calocele puncture and uh, uh, not to puncture into an infundibulum or the renal pelvis. I always use uh, a safety wire up with uh, my percutaneous procedures, uh, uh, and we always use a, an on sheath. Now, the majority of cases uh, that I do involve access into the lower pole, that avoids the ribs uh, and uh, pleural-related uh, complications. But there are certain situations, particularly for staghorn stones, uh, uh, horseshoe kidneys, uh, uh, where access to the ureter is required, uh, that sort of thing, where the upper pole may be desirable. Uh, and in those circumstances, uh, sometimes uh, the pleura uh, will come into play. But uh, if the stone requires that, uh, then uh, so be it. Uh, I like to use an 18-gauge diamond-tip needle for percutaneous access, and I use what we refer to as a triangulation technique. With this technique, the C-arm is angled away from the line of puncture. What I mean by that is if I'm doing a lower pole puncture, 
then the image intensifier uh, is angled to, towards the head of the patient and vice versa for upper pole. That keeps the x-ray beam away from the operator's hands. Uh, we then position the C-arm first parallel to the x-ray beam. This gives the right-left orientation for the needle. And then while holding that orientation steady, the C-arm is rotated to the oblique position, usually 20 to 30 degrees. Uh, that gives the uh, cephalad caudad orientation for the needle and also allows monitoring of the depth. Respiration is suspended and the puncture is then performed. Contrast is instilled from below to help distend the renal collecting system uh, and to aid with targeting. Once the desired calyx has been punctured, aspiration is performed to confirm that fluid is obtained. I then place a hydrophilic uh, wire. There are several companies that make them. Uh, you want to use a very flexible wire. Uh, I use a, a, a 0, 0.35 inch uh, wire. Typically, the wire will go into the renal collecting system, into the renal pelvis, and often down the ureter. If the wire does not go down the ureter, uh, then I'll use uh, an angiographic catheter, typically a cobra catheter, to try to manipulate the wire down the ureter. Once the wire is down the ureter, the angiographic catheter is used to exchange the hydrophilic uh, wire uh, out for a, a stiff uh, working wire. I use an Amplots uh, super stiff wire. A uh, safety wire is always placed. An 810 coaxial device or a dual lumen catheter can be used for this purpose. Once the safety wire is in place, the tract is dilated with a balloon. Balloons are fast uh, and uh, I think less traumatic. Um, there are a number of balloons on the market um, I currently prefer to use a, a balloon that uh, will go up to 30 atmospheres uh, uh, as that will prevent problems uh, um, uh, with uh, wastes uh, and uh, difficulty with passing the omplot sheath. Once the tract has been dilated, then an omplot sheath uh, is placed and uh, the percutaneous procedure uh, is then performed with uh, rigid and flexible instruments. I think it's useful for individuals who want to learn to do their own access if they've not been trained during their residency to visit an institution where this sort of procedure is being done regularly and uh, see exactly uh, how the procedure uh, goes, uh, but these are the general principles. Now, sometimes we will do a tubeless uh, access. Uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of that in most instances. Uh, we also will do what we call a non-dilated access where we're trying to identify uh, a calyx, a remote calyx uh, uh, that is difficult to see endoscopically. In that instance, the same technique is used and once the hydrophilic wire is passed into the renal pelvis, it can be followed uh, to lead to the, the promised land, if you will, uh, where the remote calyx and stone are located. And I think that's the end.